Hi everyone, I need to give a quick content warning before we get started. This episode will contain me singing. I'm not a very good singer. I wanted to avoid it, but I really can't because there is something worse than me singing, which is me dryly reciting song lyrics. The singing will be brief. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get started. It's number one with a Bullard, the audio edition. I'm Gabe Bullard. Today's installment, Clicks or It Didn't Happen. A few weeks ago, I heard the song Da 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 by Nardo Wick. Here's how it starts. You might recognize the melody as an interpolation of the song Tom's Diner by Suzanne Vega. But when I heard it, all I could think of was the theme song from I Dream of Jeannie. These songs aren't similar. Vega's is a folk pop gem that's more widely known for its British Dance Club remix, which features some of the most 1990s sounding drum beats you'll ever hear. I mean, listen to this. I Dream of Genie, meanwhile, is a mid-century kitsch marvel that calls to mind Atomic Age bachelor pads, boomerang pattern wallpaper, conversation pits, and chrome martini shakers. smell Pete Campbell's Brill Cream. I know these songs sound different, but I will never stop confusing them. And none of these songs should be confused with the Stephen Foster song, Genie with the Light Brown Hair, which features the phrase, I dream of Genie" in the lyrics. When I was writing this, I had to pause before I typed Suzanne Vega to make sure I was referring to the right song. When I think of I Dream of Genie," I hum Tom's Diner. But if you ask me to sing Tom's Diner, I would give you the melody of I Dream of Genie," And this gets weirder. When I hear Tom's Diner, I'm thrown off when the lyrics aren't about I Dream of Genie." Instead of, I expect to hear, I am sitting on the sofa, there's a TV in the corner. And from there, I keep imagining lines about the show. This is how, despite only seeing a couple episodes of the show and having a terrible memory for actors' names, I know the sitcom starred Barbara Eden and Larry Hagman. This helped me win at pub trivia once. It's also how I know Hagman's character is named Major Nelson and that he works at NASA with suspicious Dr. Bellows. It all fits into the melody of Tom's diner in my head. But now I know why this is. I can say definitively, that this is due to a Nick at Night promo that ran in 1995. The song is the work of parodist Mark Jonathan Davis, who also tours as a lounge act with the name Richard Cheese. While the lyrics of the parody follow the melody of Tom's Diner, Davis replaces Vega's first use of the melody, in which she sings it to da-da-da-da syllables, with the I Dream of Genie tune. I know this now. I know this because I found a video of this promo on YouTube, with appropriate credits. Check it out. I am sitting on the sofa, there's a TV in the corner. I am watching Major Nelson, he 
is played by Larry Hagman. Janie. And he found a little bottle and out popped Barbara Eden. But she couldn't show her belly button. All she did was blink. Until this month, I wasn't sure this was real. I suspected that this promo existed, but I had no proof. I remembered seeing it as a kid, but I couldn't find any record of it. For years, if either the show or Suzanne Vega came up in conversation, I would ask if anyone remembered this ad. No one ever did, and when I searched online, I couldn't find references to it. But the video I found was posted in 2017. This is years after I gave up ever confirming whether this song existed. This month was the first time since that video's upload that I tried to find it, and I was inspired by hearing Nardo Wick. The comments on the YouTube video for the promo tell me I'm not alone. Dozens of people have the same story. One of them, MooCow3742, posted, Looked for this years ago and couldn't find it. Thought I dreamt the whole thing. Glad to know it exists, but sad to know that my subconscious isn't as creative as I thought. It's a relief to know I'm not the only person to have a piece of ephemeral pop culture lodged so deeply in my head that it plays tricks with my memory. I watch videos like this a lot. It usually starts as research or verification. I want to know if I really saw what I think I saw. I'll scan through hours of old VHS tapes uploaded to YouTube by a stranger who grew up near me just to verify the local car dealer wore a poinsettia pattern blazer in his ads around the holidays. It is a little bleak to have to watch new ads served up by YouTube's algorithm in order to see old ads programmed by my brain, but the reward of confirmation and nostalgia is usually a worthwhile payoff. My laptop takes me back where I was the first time I saw an old ad or a TV clip. For more on the connection between media and memory, check out episode 8. I'm surprised by how well I remember these clips. I know the lyrics and the lighting and the punchlines. When my memory doesn't match up, it's jarring. I've spent years holding on to an idea until it's worn smooth, only to suddenly have it turn rough when I see the real clip. It's like when you switch phones or drive a different car, and you're reminded of all the ways your body and mind have adjusted to the size and weight and feel of the old one. It feels familiar and unfamiliar at the same time. This feeling is relatively new. It wasn't possible to compare our memories with the original at all until recorded media. And it wasn't until YouTube that we could do this without a library, a huge collection of home recordings, or a lot of requests to TV stations and their advertisers. This leads to the mismatch of memory and media, and to the need to correct our personal records. It can be unsettling, but it's not as unsettling as the other common result of these searches, finding nothing. We have proof and documentation of so much at our fingertips, so when something is missing, the easy conclusion is that it never existed and we made it up. This is what I worry about with one particular memory. It's a TV ad for gum. A man is in the dentist chair, and the doctor tells him that dentists, as a profession, say it's okay to choose certain types of Wrigley's gum. Then one of them begins to sing, American Dental Association, you've given me reason for jubilation. At this, the office walls slide away to reveal a city street. People shout hooray from the windows of buildings. Then they throw confetti. Then the music picks up, and a newly assembled crowd sings and dances, Go tell it to your neighborhood. The ADA calls these gums good. Chew not on chocolate chili chips. Chew Orbit Extra and Eclipse. I'm very sorry for the singing.
I saw this ad a few times around 2007 or 2008. I was drawn to it because I recognized the singer's voice. It belonged to Stephen Merritt, one of my favorite songwriters. Around the same time, Merritt had a song in a Volvo ad, and the gum commercials show tunes adjacent pop was very much in line with Merritt's style that I enjoy. But this ad doesn't exist online. The only reference I can find to it is in an interview Merritt gave in 2008, where he says the opportunity to write a jingle for sugar-free gum was too Archie's to pass up. I couldn't really live down refusing a chewing gum commercial. He verifies the chocolate chili chips line, too. I wrote to Wrigley's last year to ask if they would send me this ad, or at least tell me that it's real. I haven't heard back. The interview with Merritt makes me confident I didn't invent the whole thing, but I still want to see this ad again. It's not so I can hear the song or check a memory. It's deeper than that. The memory of this ad is so firmly planted in my head I can barely chew a piece of gum or book a dentist appointment without thinking of it. It may have started as ephemera, but it became part of my lived experience. Humming a little ditty when I unwrap a new pack of Orbit is a habit. That's a little bit of comfort. I know that seeing the ad won't change this. It could even take it away from me, if the melody or the words are different from how I remember them. But it still feels like something is missing without this ad online. Of everything uploaded to the internet, all the ads, all the poorly shot home videos, and the general junk, why is my particular bit of the past not there? Why has the technology that remembers everything forgotten the one thing I want to see? What I'm really asking, I guess, is, does it matter if it ever existed, if it doesn't exist now? The mystery could be a relief. Maybe it's not like I remember it. Instead, it's how I want it to be. Number One with a Bullard is written and produced by me, Gabe Bullard. Linda Golden edits the script that I read and the newsletter that you can read by going to GabeBullard.com. Thank you to folks who have. Thank you to folks who have told friends. And thank you to people who have gone on to Apple Podcasts to give this a rating or a review. I really appreciate it. I'm really glad that you did. And... For those of you who haven't, please do. I know it's kind of awkward to ask like someone to forward an email or something like that, so some people have found other ways to share it. I, I just appreciate whatever you do, even if all you do is listen to this or read the newsletter or anything like that. Just thanks for being here. It's really nice to have you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.